It is a new day, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. I am blessed to fellowship with you as we spend the next few moments hearing the word of God. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. This is your moment to receive life and bring in the message of life as our friend and our teacher, Pastor Josh. I want to take my text for today, Mark chapter 5, from verse number 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. There are many Bible characters, many, many Bible characters. So you hear blind Bartimaeus. You hear uh, this short guy who was a tax guy who wanted to have an encounter with Jesus. Nicodemus, you hear names like that. You hear... Uh, Elisha, the Tishbite, you hear, you know, different characters, they had names. There are very few instances in the Bible where a major character like this will not have her name or his name mentioned. And this now, what, what happened in this scripture is so important that the story is further told in Luke chapter 8 from verse 43 to 48. So it's a very, very important thing that happened in Jesus' ministry. It's very important because Jesus went about looking for those to heal. He went about looking for, so he goes to John chapter 5. He sees the man at the pool of Bethesda and he was sick and tired of seeing that man in that situation. And he just went straight to the man. There is no evidence that the man prayed. There's no evidence that the man screamed. There's no evidence that the man did anything. And Jesus went straight to the guy and said, dude, do you want to be healed? And the guy went on this spin. Oh, well, when the water turns, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. When this, my wife has left me, my mother has left me, my dad has done this. Da, 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 da. And Jesus said, rise up. 
He was tired of seeing that guy. Because before Jesus was born, that man was already in that situation. So there are many instances like that. And we hear the story of again of a widow who lost her only surviving son. I don't know, 14. And they were going to bury the guy. And Jesus stopped the funeral procession. Stopped it. And touched the casket. Opened it up. And brought the guy back to life. And Jesus went to Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law that his mother-in-law was sick. The mother-in-law had a fever. The Bible says that Jesus touched her and she was healed and she was made whole. Glory be to Jesus. In fact, we are told in the book of John chapter 11 about Lazarus. Lazarus died. Lazarus was cried over. Lazarus was buried. Day one, day two, day three, day four. And Lazarus was beginning to stink. He was smelling. He was gone. He had taken his journey to the land of the dead. But Jesus came after four days and went to that grave. And went to that grave, that hopeless condition. They have cried over him. They have lamented over him. He has died. He's been buried. His flesh was rotting. People were beginning to forget about him. If he had money, I'm sure his family were beginning to fight over the money. Some of them were beginning to hire the best lawyers to get their share of the pie. Hallelujah. And Jesus still came after four days and went to that grief. In fact, it was so bad that even one of the sisters said, Master, if you had come early, this man would not have died. But now, he's dead. He's smelling. No, don't bother Jesus. Do you, do you know any case like that? Do you know any case that you think is beyond redemption? Do you know any case that you think is hopeless, that God cannot do anything about? Do you know any situation that the people are, in fact, they've closed your case, they've closed your file, they've given up on you, and they tell, oh my God, there is no way out for this dude. Do you know any case like that? Jesus took it upon himself to go to that grave and pray. Jesus went to that grave to pray for Lazarus. Now, but this story we are reading in this Mark chapter 5, this is perhaps the first time that somebody took upon the responsibility. Say, listen, I am a social pariah. And you know, if you look at Leviticus chapter 15 and verse 19, when a woman is going through that kind of stuff, you should not sit on any seat. If she sits on a seat and she leaves the seat and you sit on it, Throughout that day, you are unclean by the laws, by the Jewish laws. So, he was a social pariah, and ordinarily she's not supposed to be seen among other people. But for the first time, she got up and decided, and this is the first place in the synoptic gospels where somebody decided to take the responsibility. I'm not going to wait for Jesus to come and touch me. I'm not going to wait for Jesus to pray for me. I'm not going to wait for Jesus to anoint me. I'm not going to wait for Jesus to send his word to me. I am going to do something about my condition. I am going to do something about my case. I am sick and tired of being in this condition. This is the first time. So he took upon himself the responsibility of going after Jesus. My prayer for somebody here in this series is that you will take on that responsibility to pursue Jesus like never before. 
to touch Jesus like never before. It is true that Jesus goes about touching people. But for the first time, you by yourself, you will touch Jesus. And you will get your miracle. The point I want to bring from there is that now a certain woman, the Bible scholar said her name was Veronica. So for many of us, as we read this story thousands of years later, we will say it is a story. Oh, Veronica. Ah, Vero. Ah, no, Verona. You know what happened to Veronica in the Bible. So Jesus and God removed her name and put a certain woman. That way, you by yourself, you can put your name there. You can put your name. You can see yourself in that picture. So instead of a certain woman, you can insert, in fact, you can remove that certain woman. You see, the woman is certain. It's not that she doesn't have identity. How come they didn't put her name? So God wants you to put your name in that place and see yourself. Don't see this as a story of that woman. See it as your own story. Because this gospel is nothing until it is relevant to you. Until it is applicable. What good is the gospel if it's not doing anything in your life? We do not teach for information, for information purposes. I'm not trying to make your head bigger by pouring scriptures in your head. I'm trying to put keys in your hands, kingdom keys in your hands that you can use to make your life better. Say now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Flow of blood, look at it. You see, the enemy could have come. You know, the enemy could have come and taken the ears of this woman. Right? The enemy could have come and cut off her leg. I mean, he would still have one leg. The enemy could have come and take away one of his eyes. But the enemy did not do that. The enemy could have come and crack one bone and just give her all those sicknesses. I don't know all those things. But you know what the enemy does? The enemy came to this woman and for 12 years, the enemy was draining her of her blood. And the Bible says that life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. Without blood, <laughs> you can't be alive. You will not be alive. The one thing that all of us have in common now, amongst other things, is blood. Whether you are a Mexican, Hispanic, African, European, African-American, Caucasian, the color of our blood is the same. The color of our blood is the same. So blood is powerful. And so the enemy was draining the blood from her. You know, the enemy was draining her of her life gradually. Listen, I can never forget. So many years ago, I went to General Hospital in Lagos, Nigeria, West Africa. And up to tomorrow, I'm not comfortable around hospitals. I'm not. Because I, I, don't, like, I don't like sickness. And I got into that place. You know, I wasn't even with a strong Christian then. But when I got into that world, I saw the cases of people that was terrible. I mean, if there's a world more serious than terrible. In fact, their cases were horrible. No, no, there has to be a world stronger than that. In fact, their cases were catastrophic. No, no, there has to be a higher world. Their cases were horrendous. In fact, there has to be a higher word. There are cases where irredeemable, irreparable. People were crying. When I say crying, you know there's a difference between crying and groaning. And there's a difference between hollering and crying. Some people were crying. And in my heart, young, impressionable heart, I said, ah, it is better if this person dies and ends this. But they, I didn't know what I know now. That, listen, <laughs> if you die in that condition, 
and you don't have Jesus Christ, and you end up in hell. <laughs> this cry you think you are crying now is no cry. It's warm up. But it was so bad. I said, how can people be suffering like this? And they are groaning and groaning and groaning and groaning. I said, it is better for this person to be dead than being left in this condition. Do you know that today there are some people, they are not living. They are just existing. They are not living. They are just existing. You see that that's a, you have to be very, very careful. You don't respond to every provocation. Don't respond to every provocation. Don't respond to every invitation to fight. Sometimes they slap you, walk away. It doesn't mean you are a fool. See, don't respond to every provocation. It's not every invitation. It's as if some people, they are looking for fight in everything. And no, no. That sometimes you act, you act the fool. You look the other way. You don't know what's going on with that person. Many people are existing. They are not living. They are just waiting for somebody to bear the responsibility for their deaths. Many died years ago in the spirit realm. They buried them in the spirit realm. But they are still here, existing, just waiting for one push, and then you are responsible. So, there are situations of some people that are terrible. This woman's case was an example. Life was coming out of her. Life was being drained out of her. A life without energy. A life without enthusiasm. A life without hope. And the first point you can see from this is that this woman came to the end of science. Listen. She came to the end of science. Many of us still believe out there, well, you know, yeah, doctors, we have doctors, yeah. Thank God for doctors. I believe in medicine. I believe in medicine. But I tell you, the doctors are the first to tell you that there are things that science cannot pick up. There are things that equipment cannot pick up. You see, science can cure headache. Even science now <clears throat> can cure arthritis, right? But ladies and gentlemen, there are sicknesses that have not been discovered yet. That science does not know anything about. Even up to now, science is struggling with cancer. Science is still struggling with HIV AIDS. So, science has an end. So, science cannot be your God. Medicine cannot be your God. Because there are things medicine cannot do. Thank God for the insurance that you have. Thank God for the doctors. Thank God for the nurses. We all need them. There are things that science can still not decode. So when those kind of things hit you, what will you do? So this woman came to know that she has come to the end of science. That science cannot help her. That's number one. Then number two, she came to the end of her resources. She came to the end of her resources. Her money dried up. I don't care if they are paying you $200 an hour. And for 12 years, you are bleeding every day. After the first year, you won't have energy to go to that work. And you will begin to deplete on the reserves that you have. If you have reserves. Because most people don't have reserves. So, she came to the end of science and she came to the end of her resources. You know, there are things money cannot do for you. I don't care how much you have. There are things, money cannot give you peace. Money cannot give you joy. You may have the biggest house. 
People think I just have to make more money. Once I make more money, my wife will respect me. Once I make more money, once I make more money, my wife is a lie. I've seen a man who does not have a dime. He and his wife, they get along real good. They enjoy themselves. Life is good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I've seen somebody who's, uh, they have money, but it's like she's in hell. Or he's in hell too. Money cannot make a woman to love you. So she came to the end of science. And then she came to the end of her resources. And verse 27 says, what she heard about Jesus. What exactly did she hear about Jesus? So obviously this woman was not a church woman. She was not a church woman. She was not in the synagogues. She was not a church woman. But she heard. She heard. What did she hear about Jesus? I'm sure she heard that Jesus was a healer. I'm sure she heard that Jesus was a miracle worker. I'm sure she heard that Jesus gives peace. I'm sure she heard that nobody has ever taught like Jesus teaches. I'm sure she heard that Jesus doesn't judge anybody. He doesn't condemn anybody. That no matter how far you've gone, if you run to the arms of Jesus, Jesus will welcome you. Jesus will restore you. I'm sure she heard that no matter how bad the situation must, may be, if you commit it into the hands of Jesus, that Jesus can bring beauty out of the ashes. I'm sure those are the things she heard. I'm sure that when you are connected, she heard that once you are connected with Jesus, he can change your story from story to glory. I'm sure she heard many, many, many beautiful things. And who did she hear these things from? I'm sure she heard these things from Christians. She heard these things from people who go to church. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to challenge you. How many testimonies have you heard in this church that you have shared with your neighbors? How many testimonies have you heard in this church that you have shared with people at your job sites? How many testimonies have you heard here that you have shared with people in the school system? You are not preaching the pastor. When you give testimonies, you are preaching Jesus. When you share testimonies, you are preaching Jesus. Hallelujah. I used to have a neighbor. She was from Liberia. And it was at the time that, you know, I, I was sitting on the fence as a Christian. I was not hot. I was not cold. But then I, was, I, I refused to make a decision. Even though I was a Christian in my head, I was just, I just, whatever. But there was this woman, a Liberian. They brought them from Liberia to Nigeria during the Civil War. She was attending a particular church. And she would come from church every Sunday. She would come from church every Tuesday and be telling me, brother, she calls me brother. Oh, brother, I will call my name. Brother, see this woman today. Hey, Jesus, oh, she was sick, oh. And then she came, they prayed for her. She got her healing. Oh, brother, today we're in church, we're praying. As Holy Ghost fire was going on, one bed fell from sky. These are real stories, and the bear died. Eh, really? I got tired of hearing the miracles, and I go to I say, I'll go to that church. That was how I ended up in Mountain of Fire Miracle Ministries. That was how I ended up there because of one woman who didn't go to school, but every day testimonies. She would be telling me, she would be bombarding me. She didn't invite me to come to church. She was just telling. If you will share the testimonies alone, the testimonies are bigger. They are more powerful than many sermons. So, this woman heard about Jesus. <laughs> what do people hear from your mouth when you gather to talk? What do they hear from your mouth? Is it about Jesus? As from today, it's going to be about Jesus. You will share testimonies of his mighty act in your life, in the lives of your loved ones, 
in the mighty name of Jesus. So she not only heard this story, she believed that those stories she's hearing, she can apply it to her life and she will get the same results. So I, I want somebody here who is hearing this message now, who make up her mind, who make up his mind, that as I'm hearing this word of God, whatever is weak in my body, this word of God will strengthen it. This word of God will strengthen it. Wherever there is weakness, health will come in the name of Jesus. And what is the next thing we see from this story? We saw because the Bible says that she heard, she heard, she heard. And there's a way you hear things. You become what you hear. I've said it repeatedly. You become what you hear. This is why you cannot afford to stay around naysayers. I prefer to hang around possibilitarians. There are people they call possibilitarians. They just believe that one way or the other, everything is possible. They believe that even if they are broke, one helicopter can just be passing on, on the sky and one bag will just fall from the helicopter. Possibilitarians. That means there is no no in their dictionary. They believe that all things are possible. They believe that with God, all things are possible. They believe that nothing is too hard for God to do. They believe that no matter how tight the situation is, Jesus can always come through for them. Possibilitarians. But there are some people, they are naysayers. No matter how bright you paint the picture, they will choose to see the negative. They will choose to see what will not work. They will choose to see defeat. When they open their mouth, they speak defeat. When they think, they think defeat. When they talk, they talk defeat. When they sleep, they sleep defeat. Hallelujah! So this woman heard of these testimonies and she began to form an image of Jesus in her heart. She began to see herself standing before Jesus. She began to see that there were many people and she didn't have access to Jesus. She began to see that Jesus was surrounded by dangerous ushers and she couldn't penetrate. She just began to see it that she was struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling and it came to a point that, you know what, I can't really touch Jesus because I want to get into trouble for that. But you know, I can touch the hem of his garment. And she saw herself in that mental image. In that mental image. She saw herself touching the hem of Jesus Christ. She believed that it is not the man. That it is the spirit that is in the man. She believed that if the spirit is in the man, the spirit must be in the clothes. Hallelujah. She saw herself touch the aim of that garment. She saw herself responding. And she saw herself healed. She saw herself made whole by making contact with the aims of Jesus' clothes. Hallelujah. <sighs> you must see yourself from the inside. You must stand up from the inside before you stand up on the outside. You must stand up on the inside before you stand up on the outside. You must first stand up on the inside. You must first be rich on the inside before you become rich on the outside. You must be healed on the inside before you are healed on the outside. It starts with your inside man. It starts with your inside man. It starts with your inside man. Hallelujah. And then she came to a conclusion. Look at it this way. That for years, for 12 years, I've been going to the doctors. If I can have confidence in the doctor. 
if I can have confidence in the doctor, if the doctor, and doctors do, they do lots and lots of things. Oh, many people are alive today because of doctors. Oh my God, because of nurses. Yeah, praise God. But she came to her conclusion that if doctor can help me, if doctor has been helping other people, then the creator of the doctor should be able to perfect my story. Are you hear what I'm saying? That if doctor can do A, B, C, then the creator of the doctor can do D, E, F, G, A, G, Z. Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for the doctors. They are very helpful. But the creator of the doctors must be more helpful. So she had those mental images. I want you to see yourself healed. Not only healed in your body, because I've discovered from pastoring that a lot of people are well in their bodies, but mentally they are sick. Emotionally they are sick. Are you hear what I'm saying? And that is why I was using this scripture the other day. He said, um, um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel. And to do what? To heal the brokenhearted. The brokenhearted is not people who have pneumonia or people who have cancer. The brokenhearted, you can't see they dressed well. They look good on the outside. They are shining, but on the inside, they are broke on the inside. They are crying. They need healing. There is a hole in them that all the money cannot fill. There's a hole in them that all the career cannot fill. There's a hole in there that all the relationships cannot fill. They are brokenhearted. And sometimes, if you don't realize it, it's hard to reach to them. It's hard to connect to them. And I pray that if there's anybody like that under the sound of my voice today, the great healer will locate that person. I say the great healer will locate that person. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So, what is the point I'm making? She saw with her mind before she saw with her eyes. She saw her healing with her mind first. She saw it with her mind before she saw it with her eyes. You have to see your miracle in your heart first. Before you see it with your optical eyes. You have to see your restoration first in your heart. Before you see it with your optical eyes. And look at it in verse number 30. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? Listen, this Jesus was in the midst of the multitudes. So they were shoving and pushing and shoving and pushing and shoving and pushing. But you know, there was a touch that was different. There was a touch that was different. You know, millions of people can come to church. Thousands of people can come to church. They can come to church. They can come to church. They can sing. Thousands of people can pray and pray and pray and pray. Uh, listen, there was a touch that was different. Why? Because that woman, she thought she touched knowingly. She touched with a specific agenda in her heart. Listen, I want to ask you: when you shake the man of God, do you just shake him as a social exchange, or the woman of God, 
Or do you shake her as just mere act of courtesy? When you come to church or you go to church, do you go to church because, well, I'm supposed to go to church. Well, you know, my mom goes to that church. My dad goes to that church. You know, well, you know, I'm just doing my thing. You know, you know, you know. You know how we do it. You know how we do it. Why do you go to church? You must go to church with a reason. You don't just show up in church and sit in the pew and look good and smile. No, you prepare to come to church because you are coming to meet your master Jesus. You are coming to have an encounter with the king of glory. There has to be things you expect to receive from every service because every service is not the same. There are healing services. There are restoration services. There are all kinds of service. Listen, bro. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? You know, the pastor all over America, most pastors, they operate like ninjas. You know what I mean? When they want to travel, they don't tell anybody. Because the day you tell people you are not going to be in church on Sunday, church will dry up. If many people will come late, the few who will come, that should tell you something. That should tell you something. If the pastor says he's not going to be in church on a particular day, church will dry up. Why? That should tell you something. Why do you come to church? Why do you read the Bible? We see people, we see, listen, this woman's church was different. People were touching Jesus. But she has an agenda in her mind. She had a focus. She had a goal in mind. There was something she needed. Everybody can be in the choir. Everybody can be in the sanctuary care. What are your objectives? When you read the word of God, what are you looking for? Are you reading for information? Or what? If you know that your life depends on the scriptures, you will read the scriptures every day. Nobody has to force you to read it. But now, people only read the Bible when they're in all kinds of mess. They go and read Psalm. When the enemy is dealing with them in their dreams, they go to Psalm 35. Contend with those who contend with me. Make their path slippery and dark. Like chaff. Blow them like... Psalm 35. Or Psalm 91. Or Psalm 23. Psalm 91. Those that dwell in the secret know that the enemy has been hammering them in the dream. That's why take Psalm 23, take Psalm 91, Psalm 35. They don't know any other place in the Bible. Why do you read the Bible? Why do you come to church? That touch was different. She touched Jesus knowingly. She touched Jesus purposefully. Purposefully. They come to church purposefully. When you come to church purposefully, when you are founded, nobody can shake you. There are people who are grounded in the church by the grace of God. When the winds come, you can't blow them away. Purposefully, some come to church. Purposefully, some give. The reason why you are still telling a grown folk, my grown folks, who is in his 40s, and is still putting one dollar as offering, because he doesn't know what he's doing. If you believe that you give, and you shall receive, if you believe that give, it shall be given unto you. Press down. Shake it together. Running over. So shall men bring to your bosom. You will stop giving one dollar. 
That is it. When you give, you give purposefully. People are giving houses. Listen, people are giving cars. If I, one, one brother is here now. One day he brought a car to me. I followed him to the back there. Ha. He put the car key in my hand. I look at the brother. Hey, I received the key. And I prayed for him. I blessed him from the bottom of my heart. And I returned the car key to him. Because I knew it was his all. I knew it was his all. People have brought off in here thousands of dollars. And they, and they say, Pastor, <laughs> and I receive it, I bless it, and I give it back to them. As a church, for example, now, this is May ending, right? How many special offerings have we received this year? Only one. But the enemy will blast it all over. Ah, it's all about money, they talk. It's all about money. It's, it's the same. I want to encourage all of you who have not given your pledge, give your pledge. And go and look at those people who are fighting those things. They will always be borrowing from you. They are always, and they will always be borrowing from you. They are fighting it. They may be making more money than you, but it is working. It is working. Give purposely. Worship purposefully. Worship is not lethargically. You put hand in your pocket and be doing like this. Ah, that breath in your nostrils, it belongs to somebody, sir. Hello? Okay, try to hold your nose for three minutes and not breathe. That bread belongs to someone. It's not yours. I know it's my life. You know this America. It's my life. I can do what I want to do. It's my life. It's my life. You see that bread in your nose. If they stop it for three minutes, you appreciate nurses and doctors. Worship purposefully. Serve purposefully. Die hard. Let them know that you are a die hard worker for God. Hallelujah. You know why some people have problems when they get into marriage? They don't enter marriage purposefully. They enter because everybody's getting married. Hey, everybody's getting married. Go and marry, go and marry, go and marry, go and marry. Okay, I don't marry, 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 marry. Okay, I'll marry. Yeah. And they say, but eh, the people who push you into it, you know, there are societal pressures. They'll say, but ah, it was only advice now. You don't have to take it now. Did you have to listen to the advice? Because now you are in it. You are all by yourself. Enter marriage purposefully. Don't marry that woman because you have been dating her for three years. And by the way, if it's not good enough for you to, for as a wife, there's no need you dating her for three years and wasting her time. Shake your hands and divide Gary and everybody walk her. <laughs> Let her cry for three months and everybody will be alright. Right? Why are you going to keep her for three years and you say you're not doing it again? Okay, you know she's not good enough for you. Leave her. Enter marriage purposefully. A sister was in a mess in a relationship. A Christian sister the moment the guy said, and let's start living together. But the guy said, but we are not married. He said, it doesn't matter. Everybody do it to save money. From then, the, the sister knows that this one is from the devil. Relationship end. How can you be staying with a woman? You, if you want to stay with a woman, go and marry her. You can't stay with a man that you are not married to. Don't do that. Don't do that. Save money. What money are you saving? You're, we are talking about your soul. You are talking about money. Marry knowingly. She touched Jesus knowingly. She touched Jesus purposefully. Hallelujah. And look at it. The beautiful thing about this, amongst others, is that you can schedule your own testimony. You see, Jesus was on his way to do something. And this woman interrupted Jesus. That tells you that Jesus is not too busy for you. Many people think that you have to wait for a healing service before you get healed. Many believe that you have to wait for an anointing service. Before you get your breakthrough. No. The things about God is that even right now, once you make up your mind 
you want to get this thing, you will get it. You don't have to wait to December 31st. You don't have to wait to experience this big, big program and thank God for those big programs. And one of the major instruments I will use is the instrument of the point of contact. The instrument of the point of contact. Look at it in this case. All she said was, if I can touch the ends of his garment. Listen, what is the end of the garment? The end of the garment did not heal the woman. You have to understand this. That was a point of contact. She could have said, if Jesus just marched on the ground, I will pack the sand. I'll get my healing. She could say, I've gotten her healing. She could have said, um, shadow, if I can just position myself and Jesus passes and the shadow falls upon me, then I'll get my healing. We saw it with the case of Peter. Peter became so anointed in the book of Acts that they lined the sick people in the street so that when Peter passed by, his shadow will be cast upon them and they receive their healing. Hallelujah. Oh, she could have just said, well, I'm just going to watch out for Pastor Jesus using his handkerchief. Once he's done with the handkerchief, I'll grab it. What is the Bible authority for that? You see it in Acts 19.11. Acts 19.11. Acts 19.12. The Bible says that aprons and handkerchiefs from the body of Paul. Why? Because the anointing, the anointing can be transferred. The anointing is tangible. Ladies and gentlemen, the anointing is a person. And that person is not even Jesus. That person is the Holy Ghost. The anointing is a person. So the anointing can be released upon a cloth and sent to somebody in Africa and the person will receive his healing. The anointing can be released upon water like we use here on Sunday, praying the Holy Ghost on the water and sprinkling the water and people receive their blessings. Listen, there was a man of God who traveled and the son was at the point of death and he couldn't come back. This is what he did after praying. He was praying, praying, praying and the Lord said, give them this instruction. So he called his wife. He said, hey, he said, take that boy. That is my son. Put, you know the same, you know, we bed. He said, this, the exact spot that I sleep in the bed, put him there. The exact spot that I sleep on, my, on the married bed, he said, put him there. And he put the boy there. They covered him up. Minutes after the boy jumped up, he was healed. Listen, the anointing is a person. I want to challenge you. Go and borrow somebody's car for two days. For that two days, you'll be driving like the person. Are you hear what I'm saying? The anointing is tangible. The anointing can be released on material. The anointing is tangible. The anointing is a person. Once you realize that, it becomes easy. The anointing is tangible. The anointing is a person. And it is the anointing that breaks every joke. It is the anointing that brings the healing. It is the anointing that is the miracle worker. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You can schedule your own testimony. You don't need any special permission from Jesus. Hallelujah. And look at what this woman did again, which the women are doing very well all over the world, but the men are still a little bit. And look at the woman. Look at the woman. You know what the woman did? The woman came and worshipped Jesus with her testimony. Verse 33. She came. Even though she was trembling, even though she did what was not right, because by law, she was not supposed to touch Jesus. But when Jesus said, who touched me? He came and fell before Jesus and worshipped and said, oh, it's me. Have mercy. She gave her testimony. Technically, she gave her testimony. Now, 
that's unlike some of us in the, in, you know, in the church general. When I say church, I'm not talking about the church here. Most people, once God gives them a small victory, a small breakthrough, you know what happens? They disappear from the church. All over the world. A pastor coming from Nigeria, he was telling me that, he said this woman, she was praying for years. Eventually, she became pregnant. And you know what? She had a set of twins. When she had the set of twins, when, <laughs> when she wanted to do a Thanksgiving, you know what she did? She went to Winner's Church and did Thanksgiving in Winner's Church. She, the man cried. And that pastor from Texas here, a woman was having a difficulty, prayed personal vigil for this woman. The woman got a breakthrough after like two years or so. So after some time, he calls the woman and says, it's good for you to do a Thanksgiving and appreciate God what God has done for you. The woman said, I've done the Thanksgiving already. Uh, the, the pastor said, did I travel when you did it? He said, no. I've I done it. He said, I bought the land and I gave to that, that church there. The, that church is big. They already... This is where you get your breakthrough. Now you want to do Thanksgiving. So I told the pastor, I said, realize it, it's spiritual. It's not them. It's spiritual. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. When God wants to bless you, he doesn't give you your blessings at once. He gives you small first. He gives you like 1% or 2%. And he sees how you respond to that 1% or 2%. It's like a child. <laughs> you don't give everything. You say, okay, let's see what he does with this. That's what God does. He gives you 2%. Maximum, he gives you 3%. And he's watching you to see how faithful you will be with that 3%. But unfortunately, no. You wait till some people get green card. You won't see them in church again. I will never forget a pastor. He said, he told me in another town, he said to grow church is very easy. I said, eh, especially many of you who travel after those, you know, and, and hey, by the grace of God, there's nothing you have gone to see there that you have not seen here by the special grace of God, okay? All those, uh, especially those people who have not been trained, all those pastors. He said, it's very easy to grow church. I said, how do you mean? He said, ah, just pray that God should give them problems. He said, as long as they have problems, they will come to church. He said, yes, now. He said, actually, in America like this, once, <laughs> I mean, when everything is good, why, why do they have to come to church? He said, you pray that God should multiply their problem. I pinched myself to see if I was sleeping. We met a girl who gave, released $5,000. A man of God, he, he has never given his pastor 500 The man of God, he just, oh, because he went, oh, this man of God. Hey. You know, I'm sorry, we Africa we like, like, you know, we like hyping, you know. When there's a prayer, I want to pray now. This prayer for seven people, I put my hair. As I kneel down like this now, by fire. You know, we like those kind of things. And we summon all kinds of spirits. This is the first time you've seen a man. And he gave the man $5,000. See, because she wants to have a breakthrough in marriage. Okay. So me, I kept quiet. I was looking at her. Pastor Josh said, so did you get the breakthrough? He said, Pastor, that's what I'm telling you. Three years after now. Mm. He said, but the man said, it's because I, I missed something. I missed something that should send another $1,500. So Pastor Josh said, please, don't tell me you sent it. He said, I sent it now. I said, if I've sent 5000 before, at least I should just send this one. So that, you know, <sighs> Pastor George looked at me. You know, Pastor George just shook his head. Me, I, was, I didn't say anything. He said, okay, come. I will pray with her for two months. She got married. She got married. Small testimony. They'll do au revoir to church. All of a sudden, they are too annoying in that church. Their own is too much. There was somebody for over two years or three years who sent church boss, go bring the person. Life was good and everything. 
By the time she now got her papers, bought her car, you know what she said? She said, I don't want to go to that church. She said, there are too many Cameroonians in that church. She's Cameroonian. She said, no, 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 I don't want their Congo. There are too many Cameroonians in that church. I don't want to go to that church. She said, but the pastor loves you. She said, it doesn't matter. She's still in this city. But thank God for her. She brought one of my able assistants to church. The guy is here now. Small testimony. Church is not good again. Most, it pains me that people think that it's about going to church and taking pictures with white people and sending back to Africa. That's what makes you a star. Shame. Yeah. There are some people, they feel so inferior. Look at this, my brother. I love them. But they know I love them. But I have never gone to take pictures with anyone to send to my people back home. Some of you will take pictures with white, green people, everybody, and send back to show that you are the land of the white man. Okay, so what? You are not growing spiritually. Hi, look, ask your neighbor, say, how is your work with the Lord? Finally, your testimony perfects your miracle. When you give your testimony, look at verse 34. Verse 34 of that scripture, if you still have it. Your testimony perfects your miracle. Look at it. And Jesus said, and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Of your affliction. You see, there are people, they have problems. They don't even know they have those problems. They think their problem is the headache or their problem is the stomach virus or whatever. No, there are other things there. You can get healing for those things, but there's no peace in your heart. There's no peace in your life. But when Jesus comes, Jesus comes to penetrate both the spirit, soul, and body. Jesus doesn't take care of your body and leave your spirit alone and leave your soul alone. No, when he comes, he penetrates and heals us. Yes and amen. Indeed, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that you have been truly blessed. To receive more copies of this message and other messages by Pastor Josh, please call 405-418-6222 or visit us online at www.okcmc.tv. If you are within the area, come worship with us at the Miracle Center, 6051 North Brookline Avenue, Suite 133, Oklahoma City. Stay blessed and stay connected.